0: This is the podcast of Christian Life Center and Assemblies of God Church in Springfield, Massachusetts. For more information, visit our website at clc413.com. Last week we looked at 2 Kings chapter 19. If you would turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19. No matter how strong you are, no matter how capable you are, every single one of us have our max limits. And in the middle of our lives, we often find ourselves at particular times faced with overwhelming situations, oftentimes because things mount and sometimes they all seem to pile on at one time. And in the middle of that situation, you may feel like, well, if only these things would come one at a time, I could tackle them. But they all came at once. And we can feel overwhelmed. So we are going to read here in 1 Kings chapter 19. The prophet Elijah had just had a wonderful opportunity to be able to see the Lord. Answer a supernatural or a prayer that was very supernaturally answered. And there had not been rain in the land. And then all of a sudden, through a period of time of prayer, Elijah sought the Lord. And you may recall the story. His servant was sent to go look and to see whether there was any indication of an answer to the prayer And his servant, after the seventh time, said, I see a little cloud the size of a man's hand arising from the sea. And then Elijah shouted, hurry to Ahab and tell him, climb into your chariot and go back home. If you don't hurry, the rain will stop you. Verse 45 says, and sure enough, the sky was soon black with clouds. A heavy wind brought a terrific rainstorm, and Ahab left quickly for Jezreel. And now the Lord gave special strength to Elijah. He tucked his cloak into his belt and ran ahead of Ahab's chariot all the way to Jezreel. And when Ahab got home, he told Jezebel what Elijah had done, chapter 19, verse 1, and that he had slaughtered the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the gods also kill me if by this time tomorrow I have failed to take your life like those whom you killed. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the desert, traveling all day. God had worked an incredible miracle through Elijah. And in the previous chapter 18, the prophets of Baal had come up against the prophets of God. And Elijah had shown them a demonstration of the power of God when the fire came down from heaven and took and, and, and burned up the sacrifice that Elijah had offered even though water was poured on the sacrifice, and it was made even more difficult. The prophets of Baal had taken plenty of time. They had engaged themselves in crazy rituals, cutting themselves and doing all kinds of things to try to evoke their God's response, but there was nothing. And when it was all said and done, God showed up in an incredible way, demonstrated his victory over the false gods. The false prophets were destroyed. Elijah was in a moment of great excitement and joy. Can you imagine a battle that you had been fighting and all of a sudden God showed up in such an incredible way that he showed himself strong on your behalf and you were victorious. But as is often the case when we have a great victory, the enemy comes to try to bring us down. And if he couldn't bring us down through the initial battle and challenge, he will try to affect our spirits. After a great victory in the supernatural, you and I need to be cautious because our spirits are at risk. After a great high, there's the supernatural potential for a great low. And so it's so important that we remain focused on the one who brought us that victory. This here story is a perfect scenario that lays out for us areas that we need to keep an eye on. The prophet Elijah, after he had this great victory, he heard these words from Jezebel Who basically said, I'm taking your life and I'm pledging that I'm willing to have the gods, she says, take my life if I don't do it. Verse 3 says, Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. What a contrast to Elijah on Mount Carmel! Saying, I know that my God is able to show himself strong, calling down fire from heaven, the prophets of Baal all around, and he was victorious for the Lord. And here we fast forward a short time, and we see here in verse 3, Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. My friends, ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and you are one of them, are human too. And we have to be careful that we don't put ourselves in any capacity in a bubble to think that somehow when we minister the gospel or when we do something for God, that it completely eliminates the potential for the enemy to get access to our spirits. Elijah, a powerful man of God, prayed for rain to stop. It stopped. Prayed for rain to start. It starts, prayed for fire to come down from heaven, to consume the sacrifice. It happens. And yet here we see this same man of God after hearing a word from Jezebel, afraid and running from her and fleeing for his life. So he went to Beersheba. He leaves his servant there. He goes on into the desert traveling all day and he sits down under a solitary broom tree And he prays to God. Now this would be all well and good, except let's listen to the prayer. I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. I'm finished. After great victories, Elijah was vulnerable And one of the problems here, instead of finding others to be able to encourage him, he not only goes out into the desert, but he leaves his servant behind. This was a problem. And this is often the way that we are tempted to react when we face a challenge, to Go into our turtle shell and try to deal with it ourselves. And this is what Elijah did. He said, I'm going to go and I'm going to deal with this on my own. He goes into the desert, a full day's journey, sits under the tree, and says, All right, God, I'm done. I don't want to deal with this anymore. You don't have to raise your hands, but I want to ask you a question Have you ever been there? Have you ever been at that moment? where you feel like even though you have been serving God, you have been faithful to do what he has asked you to do, you have been obedient to him, and you have seen God come through for you. But you have found yourself at a moment in your life under the tree like Elijah saying, God, I'm done. I've done what you've asked me to do, and I'm ready for you to take my life. But Elijah was there because of verse 3. He was afraid and running for his life. And then he lays down and goes to sleep under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. I'm so thankful that when you and I find ourselves in a moment where we feel alone, when we feel like we have no reason to even go on living, God knows exactly where we are. And I want you to remember that. Because sometimes there are people around you that may not fully see where your spirit's location is. Or the state of your spirit On the outside, you might look very nice, dressed up well, uh, maybe makeup on, beautiful smile, but inside your spirit is crushed. And I want you to know today that God sees beyond the external and he knows exactly what is going on in your spirit. He knows the time when your spirit is afraid and running for your life. And even in those moments, God cares so deeply for you. He saw Elijah, and he sent an angel. I wonder what the conversation was like. But God said, um, now, angel, I'm sending you on a mission. One of my servants is almost at the end of his rope. And I have an assignment for you. And this is exactly what I want you to do. And so God the Father sent the angel to Elijah with a very specific mission. Elijah's sleeping. The angel touches him and says, Elijah, time to eat. Dinner is served. He looked all around and saw some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and went back to lay down again. Isn't it interesting that when we feel so overwhelmed by situations, the presence of God can be around us in such an incredible way. Here an angel of the Lord shows up, cooks him a meal, wakes him up to eat it. He wakes up. He sees the hot bread out in the middle of the desert. He's got the water. He eats and drinks. As I'm going back to bed. And that seems a bit funny, doesn't it? But if you've been in those moments of depression, you know that even eating takes effort. I've known people who felt so overwhelmed by circumstances that they can't even get out of bed because their spirit is overwhelmed. Elijah was overwhelmed. There's no conversation yet with the angel. The angel was there because he taps him on the shoulder. And from all the indication here, Elijah is so consumed with his circumstance, he is not even acknowledging what's going on around him. He goes back to bed. The angel comes over a second time. uh, Elijah! Uh, Get up and eat some more. I've Got another meal for you. For the journey that you are heading on is a long journey. So he got up and ate and drank. Verse 8 says, The food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to mount. That is a power meal. 40 days and 40 nights on that meal. There must have been some good ingredients in that one. Where was he traveling? He was traveling to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. And there he came to a cave where he spent the night. The angel had said to him, you're going to need strength for the journey you're on. But the journey that he was on was a journey that he had made up his own mind to take. And what I love about God is sometimes when we're going to a place where God didn't even send us there, but so often he'll come alongside of us and engage us. Because he's... His way of working with us is he respects our free will. And yet he wants to teach us all along the way. So Elijah has made up his mind. He's going on this journey. He's given nutrition that lasts him for 40 days. This is over a month journey. Now, when you make a plan to go do something, you know, and it's spur of the moment, you take a day or two, that's one thing. You kind of come to, you're like, oh, man, I, I got to get back to what I'm doing But this is big-time change of pace in his life. This is no small one, two-day trip. This is 40 days of a trip. He's had a lot of time to think. And he has a lot of time to ponder on what's been going on in his life. And as he's taking this journey, God's well aware of everything that's going on with Elijah. And so he gets to the cave, spends the night, and the Lord shows up to speak to him. And he asks him a question. Elijah! Oh, yes, Lord. What are you doing here? What, why are you here? Elijah says, oh, Lord, I've zealously served you. But the people of Israel, they've broken your covenant. They've torn down your altars. They've killed all your prophets. And I, I'm the only one left. Now they're trying to kill me too. It's interesting that when we go through things, inevitably we are tempted to exaggerate. And that's exactly what Elijah's doing. This is the prophet of the Most High God who is looking at his circumstances and he comes to a conclusion that is exaggerated. And that is another thing that you and I have to look out for. The situation may be bad, but it's very possible that it's not as bad as we think it is. And so verse 11, the Lord says, go out and stand before me on the mountain. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire there was a sound of a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And God asked the same question a second time. Elijah, what are you doing here? And Elijah answered the same question with the same answer. Oh God, I've been serving you with all my heart. But the people of Israel, they've broken your covenant. They've torn down your altars. They've killed every one of your prophets. And like I said before, only me. I alone am left and now they're trying to kill me too. Then the Lord told him, You know the journey you took for 40 days? I want you to go back exactly the same way you came. Travel to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive there, anoint Hazael to be king of Aram. Then anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, to be king of Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, to replace you as my prophet. Anyone who escapes from Haseo will be killed by Jehu, and those who escape Jehu will be killed by Elisha. Yet I will preserve 7,000 others in Israel who have never bowed to Baal or kissed him. Little did Elijah know at the time, when he was all alone, thinking I'm the only one serving God. Everybody else has given up. All the other prophets who speak for God are dead. And I'm the only one holding the torch for God. He didn't know that there were 7,000 others who had never kissed Baal's feet. Their allegiance was to God. Elijah just didn't know it. And who but knows what those other prophets were going through. There was perhaps a season when they too sat under their tree and thought they were the only ones. God's going to bring you to some valleys. There was a song, it's an old song. And it said these words, You've got to go through the lonesome valley. You've got to go there. For yourself. No one here can go there for you. You've got to go there for yourself. You see, God brings us to these valleys. And their challenges, their tests. As I read the Psalm this morning, David was going through a tough time. But when it was all said and done, it was his testimony of God showing up that was what he was going to shout to those who would be willing to listen. If God is a God who is present in trouble, how else will you know it if you haven't got into some trouble through which God can then show up in and demonstrate his power? So you have to recognize that when you're in these moments of overwhelming circumstances and your spirit is feeling pressed, God wants you to remember the truths of his word. I'm so glad that when we come before the Lord humbly, he doesn't scold us. He doesn't come at us and say, how dare you? You're my spokesperson. You should be doing better than that. But rather, he comes to Elijah, and he walks him through it. And oftentimes, the way God does it is he asks us questions. He simply said, Elijah, why are you here? Why would you walk for 40 days to come to this place? Now, Mount Sinai was a very special place. Mount Sinai was the place where God showed up and demonstrated his power. It was such a holy place that even if animals touched a the mountain, they were killed. Moses went up into the presence of God, 40 days spent time with him, 40 the number 40 has a very interesting significance in the word of God. And Elijah took these, these 40 days. Jesus, you may remember, he was in the wilderness for 40 days. And after he was in the wilderness for 40 days, he was tempted three times by the devil. Each time the devil used the word of God to tempt Jesus, just twisted it the wrong way. And each time Jesus used the word of God to respond to the devil, twisted it back the right way. And at the very end of those 40 days, the scripture says that the angels came to minister to Jesus. Why would Jesus need to be ministered to? Because he was weak and he needed strength. He was 100% divine, but he was also 100% human, just like you and me. If you haven't already, you will, So get ready for it. Come to a valley where you're going to feel like you're the only one that is doing what is right. And I want to remind you from the word of God, God sees the bigger picture, and he knows exactly what's going on. I want to encourage you, don't isolate yourself in those moments. God intended for us to be a body for a reason. We need to stay connected. And it's true that we can kind of huddle up in our own little zone and find some, some comfort there. But there are things that are not present when we isolate ourselves. We need the help of the body of Christ. We need each other. And Elijah would have been well served if he had someone alongside him say, Elijah, do you, do you know that... Um, Do you remember that God is with you and that there are others that are serving the one true God? Don't give up. Someone there to encourage. The scripture says that if one person falls down, there's great danger if there is no one else to be able to help him up. But when two walk together, when one person falls, the other one's there to help him up. You see, that's so important in our spiritual walk with God. We need each other. And when you isolate yourselves, you're going to hear the same words Elijah did. Uh, What are you doing here? Why are you here alone? Why did you leave your servant in the city way back there? You need each other. And so each time that God asked that question two times, what are you doing here? Elijah responded the same thing, as if God didn't hear him the first time. Went through the whole spiel. And then God, trying to bring out from Elijah's heart what was in there, because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And I don't know if you've ever dealt with it. You're dealing with a, a, a challenge. And just to talk it out with a friend, sometimes the things that you say, you're like, oh, yeah, hearing yourself speak helps solve the problem. So God was trying to draw out of Elijah why he was really there. And he needed to say it. God gives him this assignment. Now what's very interesting is this assignment would be one of his last assignments. And that God indeed was about to answer his prayer and take him home. Because he would, from that point, anoint his replacement. Elisha. That's an incredible story all of its own. But God told him where Elisha lived, and he told him to go and anoint him. God knew very well Elisha's heart was ready. As soon as Elisha was anointed, he took all of the oxen that he used for plowing, and he killed them, and he used the yokes to create the fire. He essentially was willing to lay everything on the line to move forward and to do the work of God. You may also remember that Elisha said, I want to see you leave. And Elijah kept telling Elisha to stay behind. And every town he went to, he said, Elisha, stay here. And he says, oh, no, but I'm going to follow you. I'm going to follow you, and I want a double portion of what you have. Elijah said, you've asked a hard thing, but if you see me when I go, you'll get it. And if Elisha was a person to say, you know what, yeah, I mean, you really don't want me to come with you? Yeah, I'll, I'll hang out here. He would have never received the double portion. Persistence pays off. And there are times when you need to be persistent. And even when it, you're, you've got an option, oh, you don't really have to, then you need to have a heart to say, I may not have to, but I want to. I want to follow you, God. I want to take the extra time in your presence. I want to get to know your will. Because as you make yourself available to God in being persistent, that's where the double portion of the anointing can come upon your life. God doesn't just pour out his anointing on any old person. Or young person. Or anybody for that matter. That could care less about his presence. Joshua. Joshua. When he was with Moses, the scripture says that when the presence of the Lord would come down in the tabernacle, everybody else would go home and Joshua would remain in the presence of God. Little did he know that he would receive the responsibility of leading Israel after Moses was taken home to be with God. You see, in this very church, God is preparing some of you leadership roles in the kingdom of God. But I want to be very clear to say that oftentimes God is going to make that choice determined on your willingness to be persistent. If your attitude is, well, here I am. If God wants to use me, he can use me. There are certain things you will never receive from God. But when you press in, and you say, God, I want more of you, then he's going to respond to your persistence. Every one of us goes through times of weakness, times of being overwhelmed. But in those times, we need to remember that God has made us promises. That day will come when our assignment on this earth is over. But Galatians 6, 9 says something that all of us need to take to heart. Let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. There are going to be times when you're serving God, and you're going to feel like you're on top of the world. God is moving God is answering your prayers in a very visible way. And you feel like, wow, this is awesome. Elijah had those moments. But right after them, he had very low moments as well. I tell you this so that you'll get ready. Because during those moments, God has not left you. He has promised you he'll never leave you and he'll never forsake you. The critical things that you need during those down times is to cling to the promises of God. And then you won't lose perspective. You're not in it alone. Not only is God with you, but he has brothers and sisters in Christ who love you and are there to help assist you. We are the body of Christ and we need each other. But unfortunately, sometimes it's so easy. When we feel down, our initial reaction is to isolate ourselves, which is exactly the opposite of what we should do. Now, not everybody can be trusted with private, personal information of your heart. But my prayer is that you have at least one person in your life that you can talk to on a very real level. And you can say, you know what, brother? You know what, sister? I'm at the end of my rope right now. And I feel like curling up in a ball and talking to nobody. But I just wanted to talk to you because I know you love God and you love me. Would you pray for me? It's not unspiritual. Sometimes we have to humble ourselves and allow other people to pray for us. And when we do, the spirit of God shows up and he moves. Because we all are only flesh and bones and spirit. And we need that spirit to be revived by the spirit of God. So don't get tired in doing what is good. Some of you, just like the winter season, you can't wait till the spring comes You may enjoy the snow, you may like to, but there's something special about the flowers coming out, the temperature rising, just enjoying all that comes along with spring. In the same way, there is a season in your life. And I want to encourage you, whatever you have been going through, it will come to an end. And God will revive. Revive means bring back to life. Those flowers that were bulbs that were in the ground, they lay dormant all winter. They never popped their heads up until they began to see the right timing. And when the right timing comes, they start coming up. New life. And as I've been praying this week about what to share with you, this is the word God put on my heart for you. New life. I prophesy to you this morning, new life. Why? Because that's God's heart. New life for you. If you're feeling in that valley of the shadow of death, keep walking because his rod and your staff, they will comfort you. You're not there alone. Don't lay down and give up. Say, God, I'm going to keep going because I know you're going to see me through. Weeping will endure for the night, but joy will come in the morning. If you've been fighting a battle, keep fighting. It's almost over. Don't give up. It will not go on forever. Keep your trust in God. He's the one who fights your battles anyways. You're not strong enough to do it all on your own. So relinquish your own planning. And if you've got a 40-day journey plan, make sure it's headed in the direction that God wants you to go. And if you hear the whisper of the Lord... What are you doing here? Allow the Holy Spirit to bring you back to the place where you need to be. Soon as Elijah was listening, God said, "Now here's exactly what I want you to do. Anoint this king, anoint this prophet, anoint Jehu. He sent him on a mission. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 29. God gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. The Apostle Paul had been given great responsibilities and great revelations. So much so that the scripture tells us that so that Paul would not become proud, he was given a thorn in his flesh. It was a messenger from Satan to torment him and keep him from becoming proud. That's what it says in the word of God, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, verse 8. He begged God three times, please take it away. And each, each time God said these words, my grace is all that you need. My power works best in weakness. I'd like you to say that with me. My power works best in weakness. Would you repeat that? That's even hard to say, isn't it? God's power works best in your weakness. When you're leaning on yourself, you've got it all together. Your chest is puffed out. You're like, I got this. I've had years of ministerial training. I know the word of God, and I know that there's no demon in hell that can stand against me because I've got smarts, and I've got ability. And when we approach a situation like that, God says, Oh, this guy doesn't know what he's getting into. Why? Because God's power works best in weakness. I'm not smart enough. not strong enough to be your pastor. I'm not good looking enough to be your pastor. I'm not wise enough to be your pastor. But the chief shepherd, he's the one who enables me to do whatever needs to be done so that you're cared for well. I want you to know I tell that to the Lord regularly. I don't know how to take care of your people, God. You may say, Ooh, that's true. But He does. And if I'm listening, He'll tell me. And if I'm obedient, you're going to be cared for. That's the bottom line. I claim no wisdom for being able to properly run this church, it only is the Lord. You are his sheep, the sheep of his pasture. And so am I. I just have a specific responsibility in that process. And the words I'm sharing with you, I share with myself. May God help all of us when we face those down moments to turn our eyes to him and say, God, right now everything looks so bleak. In the valley, it looks like no one else is serving you. It looks like I'm the only one who has faith in you, God. And yet God very well sees All the others who are going through the same battles. So in your weak spots, know this. You're about to see a breakthrough. Just don't give up. Just don't give up. Because in due season, you will reap a great harvest. A great harvest. Oh, that's wonderful. God's got great things on the horizon for you if you don't give up. But you must remain steadfast, because those who do give up don't reap the harvest, but those who remain steadfast will see God's work completed. I'm going to ask Pastor Zach if he could please come back on up and Sherry. I'm not sure where you stand in your level of strength today. You can be serving God with all of your heart and be weak, and that's okay. Because his power is made perfect in your weakness. God can best use you when you recognize your limitations. I'm getting to know you but God already knows you. And he knows the gifts that he's given to you. The Bible tells me that the Holy Spirit is the one who distributes the gifts as he sees fit. As the Holy Spirit hovered over the waters on the days of creation and brought to life everything in its time, the Holy Spirit in your life is brooding over you And he will bring to life everything in its time. Everything has a season. And there are seasons that are going to be difficult. But if you fight through them and you trust the Lord, you will come out with a great testimony. And that testimony is going to help many others in their times of weakness. So what does it boil down to? Not how strong you are your dependence on his strength. Maybe you're in this room today and you've been, for your life, feeling like you're always missing it. Things are going well and then all of a sudden things just fall apart. And this cycle has continued. I want to tell you, my friends, if you're here this morning, if you want real purpose, purpose, to know that when you're walking through a valley that you're actually going to come out with some benefit you have to surrender your life to God because if not then you're just in a cycle and the enemy will have the last word but if God if you allow God to have the last word he will use even the times of weakness to bring glory to his name and all the more so so you would close yourself in with God for a moment I want to ask every person in this room if you're here today and you'd say pastor I've never taken the step to ask Christ to be the Lord of my life I I, I've tried to do good and make good decisions but I've failed at times and I want to make sure that I'm ready for heaven the scripture tells us that with our mouth we, we confess And with our heart, we believe that God raised Jesus from the dead. If you're in this room today, I'm glad you're in church, but going to church will not get you to heaven. If you want to see Jesus, you need to repent of your sin and ask him to cleanse your heart. If you're here today, you'd say, Pastor, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I want to be transformed by his mighty power surrender myself to him. If that's you in this room today right where you are, would you stand to your feet? Because I want to pray for you. And God is going to change your life as you surrender it to him. Is there anyone today that would say I choose to surrender myself my heart, my mind, my body, every part of me God and I ask for his forgiveness for all of my sins I want my name to be written in the book of life God sees you my brother is there anyone else in this room that needs to take that step of faith when you take your step God takes his and his stride is a whole lot bigger than yours One last call. Is there anyone else? God loves you today. God sees you. body, would you join with me today and you who stood, if you just remain standing because you're taking a step of faith here. Jesus was willing to be put up on that cross for us. There's got to be a willingness on our part to say, I'm willing to declare Jesus as my Lord. Would would you join me this morning And from your heart Would you just simply pray these words And as you do As you mean them from your heart The scripture tells us That there's going to be an invisible work That is going to happen The Holy Spirit is going to be doing a transformation And as we pray this prayer from our hearts God is working from the inside out So let's join together Dear Lord Jesus I acknowledge today That I need you in my life. Please forgive me of all my sin. Please wash my heart clean and make me a brand new person. Please write my name in the book of life. I choose to lean on you today for my salvation. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that is coming even now into my heart to make me a new creation. I choose from this day forward to live my life to honor you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's give the Lord praise. May be seated. God bless you. Whenever we come to God's house, I believe there's always something God has for us. Before we walk out these doors, I want to give you a chance to put your spiritual batteries in the recharger and to allow the spirit of the living God to give you a supernatural boost for this week. Now, you, look, you all look great on the outside, but God sees deeper than that. He knows every one of you whose hearts may be crushed on the inside. So here's what I want to do as we close the service. If you're in this room, and you'd say, there's a part of me that is simply feeling Wiped out Maybe it's your spirit Maybe it's your body Maybe it's your mind You've been just on overload And you would say to God God I desperately need Your ministering Spirit To touch me today Maybe you need An angel of the Lord To minister to you today I believe that though we cannot see them, there are angels that God assigns even in services like this. And when we respond, God's angels respond. Now, we don't worship angels and we don't pray to angels, but God sends them on missions, and it's all throughout Scripture. And we can pray to the Father, asking him for his angels to minister to us, and they do! They do. So this morning, before we leave this room, I'm going to ask every person in this room, if you are dealing with some weak spot, if you say, God, I need to be recharged, I want to invite you. And Pastor Zach, would you, in just a moment, would you lead us in a recharging song? All right, whatever the Spirit of the Lord leads on your heart for a recharging song. But I'm going to ask you, if you're needing supernatural energy from the Lord. And before I even invite you, I want to tell you I need a recharge this morning. I do. So I'm going to be standing here with you. So if you would join me if you are dealing with some weak area because God wants to get glorified through that weakness. Don't let it go to waste. Let God be glorified through the trial you're going through when we begin to sing, I invite you to come to this altar and to simply raise your hands like this. That's just a simple sign of, how I need a refill right now. I need a refill, God. You ready? All right, Pastor Zach, would you go ahead and lead us in church? You're welcome to come. These altars are your refilling station. And the Spirit of God is the fuel that you're going to need for this week to be infused with power from on high. Spirit of God, you are welcome. Oh God, with your ministering angels, move all throughout this platform and touch people as they lift their hands. Fill them with supernatural strength.